Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to the next of a number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our gardens. Every week we're looking at a different bird and this week we'll be looking at the largest member of the crow family, the spectacular raven. Now if you're a regular listener to my podcasts, you may be aware that my favourite bird, no scrap that, my favourite animal in the whole wide world, it would be the long-tailed tit. But if you ask me what my favourite corvid is, well then, the answer would be the raven. Why a raven, you may ask? Why not the beautiful jay or the elegant jackdaw, or any of the other wonderful corvids there are? Well, I chose my other favourite birds because they remind me of a sense of place. Grey wagtails and dippers for the streams and rivers close to where my dad lives in Devon. Green finches for the birds that settle on the firethorn in my garden each autumn. These birds exist regardless of human activity. The wagtails and dippers dance up fast-flowing moorland streams because of the aquatic insects there. The greenfinches come because the shrub is in fruit. My presence means nothing to them aside from the greenfinches that also love Peter and Paul food I put out. The raven, though, has a far closer relationship with us. When a raven sees you, it knows you are human and behaves accordingly. Throughout history, humans and ravens have been codependents. The ravens upon us for the scavenging opportunities that humans leave in their destructive wake, and us upon the ravens for some sort of spiritual meaning to explain our own motives. It is why the bird has become so ingrained in our culture, and replicates so many of what are wrongly perceived to be solely human character traits. I'm fascinated by the raven, as much for their soaring aerial displays, as that it tells us about ourselves. Perhaps this is what the Mad Hatter was getting at with the riddle in Alice in Wonderland, that a raven is like a writing desk. Its presence forces us to think and see things differently. There are five principal reasons why corvids have evolved so closely alongside humans hunting and gathering, expansion of agriculture, war and aggression, urbanisation and recreation. These have all provided new food sources for the omnivore raven, which are clever enough to adapt quickly to whatever opportunities come their way. I'd argue that it is particularly the increase of urbanisation of human life. By 2030, more than 60% of the global population is expected to live in cities. That is having the greatest impact on ravens in the modern era. Our buildings, utility poles and other structures provide new nesting and roosting sites. Our sewerage ponds, watered lawns and lakes bring life-giving resources to birds in arid regions. Such subsidies allow many Covids to explore new environments, retaining large populations when they were formerly rare. The proliferation of these anthropomorphic nesting sites has allowed Raven's population to increase exponentially. In modern Britain they are now moving back into the cities and urban spaces. When you start looking, you see ravens on motorway bridges, rubbish dumps, power lines and buildings. 
People still see ravens as birds of the wild, but that is only because we have forced them there. In fact, ravens are relaxed city dwellers. Centuries ago, that is where you would have found them, on the cobbled streets of Britain, sifting through our offal and other waste deposited outside our homes. Why did they leave? Well, improving sanitation certainly and the Victorian system of water supply and waste treatment, which cleaned up many of British cities, would have lessened their urban feeding opportunities. At the same time, increasingly intensive agriculture would have presented greater spoils outside of the city, and then there was the attempt to purge ravens altogether under the Vermin Act. Once they started moving into the countryside, landowners sought to clear their estates from anything that might threaten commerce, be it farming or shooting. The reasons were varied, but entirely the product of human activity, and the raven retreated to the furthest edges of the country. Even if they depended on us for food, our ravens still learned to avoid us. Not so in the modern era. In his masterly book, The Raven, published 20 years ago, the ecologist David Ratcliffe mapped the bird's decline and slow subsequent advance across Britain in the later decades of the 20th century. Ratcliffe wrote about the raven being extricably interwoven with human activity through much of its range. Thousands of years ago, the birds learned to become camp followers and settlement scavengers, and, as a result, he argued, they have always been afforded special significance by people. In his book, Ratcliffe presented a number of maps detailing changes in breeding raven pairs across Britain in the second half of the 20th century. Between 1968 and 1991, the period before the raven boom really began, the bird was restricted entirely to the western fringes of Britain. The whole centre east and north east of England were almost entirely devoid of ravens. Ratcliffe's contrast is mapped with the prevalence of grouse moors, and the lack of crossover is startling, and only can be readily explained by assuming inhibiting degree of persecution, he writes. The story of the raven is also closely connected to another bird of prey, the red kite. The birds used to forage side by side in British cities, and as medieval dustbin crews shared similar protected status by royal decree. If you killed a kite in medieval cities, you risked capital punishment. The kite ended up being purged with perhaps even greater vigour than the raven. It was declared extinct in England in 1871, and eight years later the last of the birds were driven out of Scotland. By the 1970s, the British red kite had reached the final bottleneck of extinction, the entire population emanating from just one female in the bird's last citadel in mid-Wales, whose old oak woods gamekeepers and egg collectors could not reach. At this point, however, the stories of the raven and the red kite diverge. The kite was saved in Wales through what is regarded as the longest-running conservation programme in the world. Resident farmers and lately Gurkhas and SAS commandos roped in by the RSPB started guarding nest sites to deter would-be egg collectors. From 1989, a reintroduction programme was launched across Britain 
bringing and breeding pairs of red kites from the continent and rehoming them in the British soil. In 2019, there was estimated to be 1,800 breeding pairs in Britain, a 900% increase since 1995. The raven's return, while similarly successful, has not been the product of any specialist conservation programme. Protections may have been in place upon them, as with other wild birds under the 1981 Wildlife and Countryside Act, but no one has reintroduced the raven to places where it had previously been expatriated. The raven has returned to cities entirely under its own volition, moving into the spaces we unwittingly make for them, and that is why, in part, I love the raven. They are spiritual, folkloric birds that fill me with awe every time I see them. They are tough, and boy are they smart. According to research, ravens are some of the most intelligent members of the animal kingdom, with cognitive skills comparable to those of a four-year-old child. Some researchers in Sweden tested five captive ravens on their ability to use tools and engage in bartering. The results showed they were capable of selecting a tool and then setting it aside in anticipation for an opportunity to use it. In fact, given the chance to pick a small meal immediately or choose the tool to use it to secure a larger meal later, they still picked the tool. In another experiment, they quickly learned that they could exchange a blue plastic bottle cap given to them by researchers for food. They also showed that they would happily bank the cap and wait for another chance to spend it, passing up an immediate reward in favour of waiting for something better is indicative of a higher level of intelligence than the vast majority of animals possess. I would go further than that. For watching ravens for many years now, I'd speculate the ravens are capable of using their brain power for more than just securing food. Ravens have a good understanding of minds of others, their social structure, hierarchies, politics and how to get up to the dominant positions all require higher brain functions. So why wouldn't they be my favourite corvid? There are eight distinctive members of the corvid family in Britain. The raven, carrion crow, hooded crow, jackdaw, rook, jay, magpie and chuff. Of these birds, five are black, and it can be confusing telling them apart, especially from a distance. Chuffs are the easiest to identify, as they have bright red bills and legs. Jackdaws are small, with a faintly silvery head and piercing grey-blue eye. Rooks have a distinctive white mantle and the top of their bill. Distinguishing carrion crows and ravens is where it starts to get a little harder. I find the easiest method to separate the two is to listen to their call. The raven has a distinctive cronking call that couldn't be mistaken for any other bird. If the birds aren't calling, then look for the very wedge-shaped tail in flight of the raven. Crows have a more scallop-shaped tail in flight. Finally, there is the size. Ravens are much, much bigger birds than crows. And if you can see the two together, you'll notice it immediately. Ravens actually have bigger wingspans than buzzards. That's how big they are. Close up, the raven's most distinctive feature is its bill. Needing it to pull apart flesh, it is vital for a bird that feeds on dead animals.
The raven's call is a very deep croaking cronk, 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 which once heard and identified will be easily remembered. But they can make other noises. They have been known to copy other noises, including animals and bird calls. Ingeniously, if they come across a carcass they cannot open, they have been known to imitate wolves and foxes to attract them to the site. When the larger animals have used their powerful jaws to chew through the carrion and had their fill, the birds swoop in. Also, ravens can actually mimic human voice and talk. Edgar Allan Poe's poem The Raven is probably the best-known allusion to the bird with its famous refrain, Quoth the raven nevermore. The poem follows an unnamed narrator, alone at night, who is visited by a raven. It's in the seventh stanza that the bird and the narrator first come face to face. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, in their step to stately raven, of the saintly days of yore. Not least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with a mien of law or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Ravens have a long history in mythology. The ancient Norse god Odin had two. Hugin, the old Norse for thought, and Munin, memory, who flew all over the world and brought news back to their master. Odin, the king of the Viking gods, as well as the god of war and death, is sometimes referred to as the raven god. The birds also have an important place in Celtic folklore. One Scottish legend tells of evil Haradan called Calarich, who took the form of a number of birds, including raven, and feasted on men's bodies. In Welsh folklore, Bran the Blessed, Bran is the Welsh word for raven, is a giant who ruled Britain. After being mortally wounded in battle, he ordered for his head to be cut off, after which he continued to speak words of prophecy. King Arthur was another figure associated with ravens. In Cornwall it's believed that he did not die but instead turned into a raven. Morrigan, the Irish goddess of war, was also thought to take the form of a raven while hovering over the battlefield. The wildly head association of ravens with war and death is thought to stem from their frequent presence on battlefields, to which, being scavengers, they were strongly attracted. In Chinese mythology, ravens were thought to cause bad weather and to warn people when gods were about to pass by. In parts of South America, tribes went one further and worshipped the birds themselves as deities. Despite their dark associations, ravens are actually playful birds. In Canada, they can even be observed sliding down icy roofs just for the fun of it. They have also been observed making toys out of sticks, pine cones, rocks and golf balls. It is unusual for animals to engage in playful activities like this, purely for the fun of it. Another sign that they are more highly evolved than many other creatures. Adult ravens mate for life and maintain their territories throughout the year. Some traditional nest sites are occupied for decades. The nests themselves become enormous structures. Ravens appear to be amongst their hardiest birds and may start laying eggs as early as the first week of February. Most birds in lowlands are sitting by the first week of March. 
They endure hard weather in some years, but their wool-lined nests are very warm, and the timing coincides with the peak availability of food for chicks during the lambing season. They lay quite large clutches, four, five or six being normal, and the female incubates the eggs for about 21 days while the male keeps watch for intruders, calling her off with an alarm call when intruders, including humans, get too close. An average of three chicks fledge after six to seven weeks in the nest, and then undergo a long period of dependency on their parents, flying as family parties until July. Then the young birds disperse and join flocks. Ravens are highly adaptable animals. They can live in any climate from Arctic to deserts of North Africa. Being scavengers, they also have a very varied diet, incorporating carrion, insects, grains, berries, fruits and small animals. So with this in mind, you'd think they'd like Peter and Paul mealworm mix, Peter and Paul in full song, or Peter and Paul mealworm suet pellets, wouldn't you? Well, yes, they would love all of them, but because they were persecuted so badly by humans, they just don't trust us. Because poison baits were used in the past to control ravens, and because ravens will pass on this information from generation to generation, they are very wary of free handouts. The good news is they appear to be losing their suspicious nature, and they are appearing in more and more gardens recently. So feed it. They may come, and if they don't, well, there's plenty of other birds that will eat it. Now, Peter and Paul mealworm mix can be fed all year round. For insect-eating birds like wrens, pied wagtails, starlings, and maybe possibly ravens, it's brilliant. But this mix comes into its own at a certain time of the year, the breeding season. From early spring to midsummer, when baby birds are in the nest or when they have just left the nest, they require protein-rich food. And as mealworm mix is bursting with dried mealworms, sunflower hearts, pinhead oatmeal and finely chopped peanut granules, that's just what it provides. This mix is ideal for table and ground feeding. And if you're worried about the baby birds in your garden or someone that regularly puts out a single straight food in your garden, peanuts let's say, try a bag of mealworm mix during the next breeding season. You'll see more birds in your garden and you can be proud that your efforts have probably helped dozens of young birds. And we all want to give youngsters the very very best start in life don't we? Like all Peter and Paul seed mixes, mealworm mix has added Nutravio, a natural seed coating which is not only a fantastic energy source but also inhibits bacterial growth so it can help prevent birds picking up common bugs like salmonella and E. coli. It has also been created to provide your garden birds with a more complete style of meal and that could be the difference between your birds just surviving in your garden and thriving. Just getting back to ravens, some remarkable feats of problem solving have been observed in this species leading to the belief that it is highly intelligent. Ravens have among the largest brains of any bird species. They watch where other ravens bury their food and remember the location of each other's food caches so they can steal from them. 
This type of theft occurs so regularly that ravens will fly extra distance from food sources to find better hiding places for food. They've also been observed pretending to make cachet without actually depositing the food, presumably to confuse onlookers. Now ravens don't migrate, although some northern birds wander south in the autumn and winter. Ravens are one of the decade's real success stories. Once reduced to around a thousand pairs due to persecution, they have spread right back across Britain. In the last 15 years, numbers have increased by a whopping 134%. There are now over 12,000 breeding pairs. Questions are now being asked about large numbers of ravens becoming a problem. There are reports of gangs of juvenile ravens numbering in their hundreds, swooping across moorland and decimating wader nests, taking eggs and chicks alike. Just as with the return of so many top of the food chain predators, like otters and pine martins, is the return of ravens going to cause this own dilemma for the conservation world? Well, a recent study by the RSPB stated there was no evidence to suggest ravens were responsible for the dramatic decline in numbers of wading birds, such as lapwing in the UK. All the more reason to feed them right in our garden. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after ravens and other garden birds by providing a wildlife friendly garden that includes water and having the very very best food available for them, foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul wild bird foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of our wonderful Pets Corner stores. And the nearest store to you can be found at the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk Well that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed this look at ravens. For further birds, please continue to check out the stream. And I look forward to speaking to you soon.